Hey friends, welcome to Finally Out with Friends. My name is Ryan, my pronouns are he, him. And this is B, she, her, and together we hope to create a welcoming and safe space for anyone who needs to take a breath and finally be out with friends. Trigger warning. This episode deals with religion and cults. If these are topics you do not feel comfortable listening to or will upset you, take care of yourself and we will catch you in the next one. So today, this is our very first special episode with a guest. We'd like to welcome Casey, pronouns she, her, to our show today. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for joining. So today we're going to be talking about a specific church that you went to, but it also, from what we've read about the church, um, at least in the past, they claim they no longer do this stuff, but that it checks most of the boxes for the bite model, which is how you tell if you're in a cult, which is behavior control, um, information control, thought control, and emotional control. So, um, so uh, growing up, did you go to church? at all i did not know that was um something my parents were like very open about i think they had both grown up in the church so um they didn't take um that wasn't a part of our childhood my brother and i i remember feeling like self-conscious about that at one point um and my dad being like well if you want to go to church we can go to church and i was like you know it wasn't out of some like uh, desire to find God it was just sort of like oh it seems like everyone else is going to church like that's kind of the thing that you do in a small town um yeah but my the desire wasn't strong enough I mean I did get baptized at one point just because I was like well I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to hell if I don't and everyone else in my family is baptized so I think I should get baptized and this wasn't like a born again Christian way of baptizing it was like in a Episcopal church with like just you know the little like like how you would baptize a newborn um but a 13 year old so um that was that was a significant experience in that childhood I was like pretty sure your parents were not religious no so yeah so you can imagine uh going quite religious which both of their kids did um, but me taking it all to the extreme of like getting into a cult, you know, they're kind of like, whoa, this is <laughs> not what we expected your rebellion to be. <laughs> you went too far, a little too deep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so um, I know growing up, I didn't, I went to churches like every so often, not really mostly with my grandparents. Um, but I know when our friend died is when I really started going to church. Um, was it the same for you? Yeah, absolutely the same. It was like just before that, um, I had gone to maybe a couple of small group things just because uh, my brother had become a Christian at that point. And so I was like, well, I'm kind of curious, you know, this, if this guy's doing it. Um, but very casual and then when she died it was just like so I I was just so desperate for um, comfort basically and 
you know, considering that she was a Christian, that was comforting to me to be in that community. Um, so I was just like, yeah. I, I, and it's an interesting journey because that was the beginning for me of being like, doubt in any form is just not okay. Like it's too scary to have any kind of doubts. So I just like, there's like a whole part of my brain that I just like turned off um, for a long time. Uh, just because I wanted like simple comfort. I didn't want it complicated. I didn't want any big questions. I just wanted like some assurance that my friend was in heaven and I could be reunited with her there. I feel like that's pretty common for a lot of people going through any type of death. Um, they yeah. definitely start to question things like that because that's what most of us are told growing up, whether we have religious family members or not, it's like, oh, you go to heaven or you go to hell. Right. And you don't think about those things, especially as a teenager, because you're right. like, we're invincible. So why would we think about that? And um, I don't know, I felt like I had wrestled with a lot of that stuff. And there had certainly been other losses, like in our school, there, there had been other deaths of no people I knew that well, but um, other just like someone I, I knew from Spanish class, you know, another car accident. But um, it's like when it was really real, when it was my best friend, then it was like, okay, the, this is different than someone I had said hi to one time in, in class. This is someone right. who I've known since I was four years old. Like, you know, um, it, it tests your belief system and I don't know now i feel like the belief system that i was more likely to have like the 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 one that i kind of had picked up on from being around my mom and um, just like a more spiritual environment i think it could have held up in that but it's just like i was a teenager and i was insecure like we all are and so are you going to be 16 years old and all your friends are talking about church and small group and Jesus and heaven and all this stuff. And you're going to be like, Ooh, well, let's talk about like the souls and like possibly reincarnation, you know, and like right. uh, reunited with the source. And like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be like giving my friends some kind of like new agey lecture about uh, energy is neither created nor destroyed. Like, I think I'll just go to small group with you and read the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, recently had a conversation with your one college roommate and about how, like, she apologized to me, but for, like, bringing me into church because she's like, that's what we were told would make it better. Yeah. And <laughs> that didn't turn out to be right. But um, I mean, I feel like that's still fair, though. You know, you're still trying to do what you can for your friend from what you know yeah i mean i'm not mad at her about yeah. it but it yeah. didn't make things better i mean we're just much. kids we're just kids like yeah. wrestling with eternity and big questions and we have the like the confidence that comes from your brain isn't finished developing, you know, like the frontal yeah. lobe still like about a decade out from being done. And so you're just like, yeah, it is this black and white. It is this clear. Like this yeah. is the solution. Of course it is. Um, because where there's no room for nuance. There's no room for, uh, you know, shades of gray and like being not having the answers about things like uh, you just 
you know, you see the world through this, this narrow lens and like everything has to fit into it. I mean, man, isn't that like, that's the problem uh, always in humans interacting with other humans. It's like, we just want things to conform with our belief system. And when they don't, we have to like kind of force them a little bit to make them right. Especially as a, a teenager, or even as a child, like you look for comfort in places that you can. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, how, when you got to college, how did you get involved with that church? Well, here's like the first, I would say the first warning sign is like, if it's too flashy and it's too attractive, like, be warned, you know, um, I, I got involved, I got pulled into uh, church service because they were looking for musicians um, for one of the special programs they did at Easter. And that was something that I, I was always involved in music from middle school um, and played a, a lot of church worship band stuff in um, high school and then in college. Um, and that was like a, just a cool opportunity to come play at uh, this Easter thing. And, uh, you know, the other friends that I played with, they, they were just kind of on the outskirts, but I somehow got pulled in. Um, and I think it was probably, again, the appeal of, I don't know, the, of structure in some ways. Um, certainly the appeal of being a part of something. I always like things that kind of, you know, push you to your limits like I I I mean for example so the the being part of the music team meant getting up at five o'clock in the morning often because we would have like 6 a.m rehearsals and that's appealing to me which is sort of like is that a normal thing for a college student to be like yes I want to get up at 5 a.m so I can go across <laughs> campus and go to this church not not in my experience no often uh -huh. I was meeting my friends like my roommate that you mentioned um she was going to bed uh, not because she was out partying. Either. She was just like hanging out and studying and doing normal teenager things, uh, college student things. And I was like, well, I went to bed at nine. So now I'm getting up at 5 a.m. So <laughs> I can practice. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't totally get the psychology of it, of like what is appealing about that. Um, but there's something about, uh, I don't know, things that make us find our limits and, uh, do things we wouldn't normally normally do like we want that challenge um i liked the music part of it and so you know i sort of ignored other things or i i explained them as my own failing not the failing of the system it was sort of like oh yeah i'm not disciplined enough not that like this is a weird thing that the system is requiring its members to do so you said that you were doing um you were playing music with churches before. Was that something that you just did out of the interest of being able to play music? In, um, I had done it a couple times out of just, you know, someone was like, we need a musician for this thing. Like, can you do this? Like at churches I was never a part of, but then the churches that I, the church I was a part of in high school, um, that was just like, okay, yeah, this is a way to be a part of it. And you know, there's probably something interesting in that too, because when you are a part of a group and you get to be up there on stage and seen by people and, you know, you're contributing in some way, uh, you feel a sense of ownership 
more than just like I'm, I'm here and I'm sitting in the, the audience and I'm participating. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the ego likes that. Um, there's just a lot about it that's kind of like, you know, this is, this is special and I get to, uh, I'm a special one, I'm a chosen one because I can, I can play an instrument, you know? <laughs> I feel that. I sang in a choir for a church. I didn't go to the church. But I sang for the choir in a church because my music teacher was the music teacher for that church as well. See that? Yeah, I had I had some of some of those early connections were yes because of my my teacher being like yeah they need someone I can't I'm not available to do it so you can do it. Okay, yeah, right. it's something. It's something to be picked out in that kind of way. Yeah. 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 So, and music, it's like any opportunity to play it. You know, yeah. or whatever. You're just like this is great. This is special. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so was this your freshman year of college? It was, yeah. Easter of my freshman year was that was the the thing that we initially got involved with. So, because they, I know they do a big push uh, on campus, like to get people in at the very beginning of freshman year. But I had never seen um, that particular church, so I I'd never had the opportunity to be pulled in until, yeah, a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I'm playing in this 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 production and." do you two, me and my roommate, do you two want to come be a part of it as well? Um, so spring of that freshman year. And then I guess, I don't remember this part that clearly, I guess I must've just started attending more regularly, you know, and, and getting plugged into um, the music stuff. And Sundays, like there were three services, there were two in the morning and one in the evening. And so wow. it was like, that was the whole day, you know, that's like in between you'd like, eat lunch and take a nap and then you go back and do it again it sounds like a lot right now i mean most things outside of my house sound like a lot right now I mean, <laughs> especially something like that where it's like you, hear me? you want me to hear the same sermon three times oh, okay like yeah i'll get something different out of it each time but at that time nothing about it seemed strange to me that was just like you know i'm just glad to be here just glad to be a part of this right well, I mean, I feel like uh, freshman year, a lot of people are very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Did you go to any other churches before that one while you were? This is where it gets year? interesting. Yeah, this is the thing that made, that made everything so interesting. So I went to other churches um, and like with friends because there was a, a lot of people from our high school who were at the same college. I was rooming with a good friend from high school. Um, and there were a number of people who were a year older than us who were there. So we were like, oh, we'll go to this church. We'll go to this church. We were we had tried different churches and also gotten involved with an on-campus ministry. Now, that is the thing, the first thing that made this like cult church. So like the first thing that got my attention was having a meeting with my uh, team leader. And I was so excited about the fact that like, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this church on Sunday, but like on uh, during the week, I'm involved in this on-campus ministry and isn't that great? And that person being like, basically like, you know, you have to choose. Like you can't do both, you have to choose. And I was like, what, aren't they both Jesus's work? Like, shouldn't I be doing as much as possible? Shouldn't I find more ministries to join? Like, shouldn't I be doing this every night of the week? Um, but that was the first thing of like now i know i'm like well that was control that was isolation and control and you don't want me to be a part of a different group where i might be hearing a slightly different message you 
and my friends are in that. So you want to, you want to isolate me from uh, people and get my hundred percent loyalty only to you. Yeah. And that's clearly definitely the first sign, but you're not going to realize that at like 18 years old. No, no. And, and that caused so much turmoil for me. Like, and I, Oh, I was praying about it so much and journaling about it, you know, and I'm like, I bet if I had my diary, I'm so grateful that I like just destroy all my old diaries from seasons of life that are just like, uh, just so much pain poured on those pages. Like, I'm sure there'd be some value in it, but like when I read that stuff again, I would just feel it again. I'd be like, oh, this kid was so, was suffering so much and so unnecessarily, you know, but I was like, ah, you know, at that age, especially, you were really concerned about making the right choice. It's not like any choice can be okay. And it, it was like, if I don't make the right choice, you know, then that's going to ruin the rest of my life. Like this is, every choice is so important and it's life or death and it's heaven and hell and it's all this stuff. So um, I wrestled with that decision for a long, long, long time, praying about it. Like, do I, should I be a part of this? church or of this ministry and doing both at the same time but constantly getting this reminder from people at the church that like no you have to choose one no you have to choose one notice nobody in the ministry is saying that they're all like yeah do whatever you want on sunday um but from the church every person that i talked with ever that had any kind of seniority was always like you have to choose and that so that was creating a lot of stress and turmoil then there was also the fact that at some point during there my brother had gotten involved in the cult church as well but then he had a real like wake up come to jesus moment and he was like yeah i'm not going there anymore um some just unpleasant dealings with people and not only was it like you have to choose you know are you going to go to the ministry are you going to be here then it was like well you might not be as close with your brother as you have been you know because like don't like that oh my god no no i did not know he was involved with that yeah it was it was not a, a long period of time like he got his clarity more quickly than i did he was definitely the first person i called when i got my clarity and was like oh i have to get it out of here um but yeah he uh you know, at first it was like oh, just this fun thing that like now my brother's a part of it. Now we're sharing all these things together. And then it was it turned into like, you know, just like more and more control, more and more. Uh, I mean, I'll say I'm grateful. Like I'm grateful that my cult experience um, is it's actually still fairly mild compared to the, the level of like abuse and control and manipulation that so many people do experience. Uh, like I was able to leave and I didn't, um, you know, trauma wasn't too major. I uh, certainly wasn't, didn't extend beyond my psyche. So that's something to be grateful for. And there were definitely lessons learned. Is there a large difference between the time that your brother was like, no, I'm done to when you were like, Mm-mm, we're over this? Um, it was, ooh. I think it may have been because I'm just thinking like the 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 impetus for him to change it was an icy road. So I think that was like winter, like spring break. I think spring break. And when I left the church, it was just before he got married, which was in October. So it was a 
tumultuous summer in between, we'll say, especially because I stayed on campus to be involved with church stuff all summer while like, you know, my brother, my first friend is planning his wedding and I'm like, well, I can't be a part of that because uh, they oh, are no. the party. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. At least, at least we got things sorted out in time for, you know, me to celebrate with them and be like, oh yeah, okay, I can be happy. Oh, that's good. But... Oh wow, I did not know that. It's, it's only like when I start to unpack it that I'm like, whoa, yeah, and whoa, like oh my god, there's so much. <laughs> so. So how do you know how long it was that you were involved with that church? Or so total? let's see. Let's say Easter of my freshman year until October, October, I guess, of, no, it can't be my sophomore year. Was it my sophomore year or junior year? Junior, junior year. Okay. So it was a big chunk of, um, yeah, my college experience. Um, so you got baptized at that church, right? I did. Yeah. So that was, okay. uh, the second, that was my like born again baptism experience because of course in that whole thing, they talk about like, if you were baptized as a child, you know, that's not the same thing as like really dying to yourself and being born again in Christ. And I was like, well, I got baptized as a 13 year old, but I, it wasn't a, a, a marker of my authentic, you know, belief it was just that I was pretty sure that's what you're supposed to do I didn't want to go to hell so um yeah then I did uh, a whole baptism experience um yeah I was baptized as a baby and then that church in high school that we went to I got baptized I believe it was after you've gone to college yeah um but I recall going up there when you got baptized yeah because I think that was during the one of the Easter services. Wow, I was quick to get, I think it was. Okay, yeah, I I don't remember. Well, thanks for being there, I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for I participating. Was, I, was, I, I couldn't drive, so I came up with your roommate's dad. That was weird. Uh, that's so, <laughs> so fun, wow. <laughs> So in the church, was it just like you were involved with like the music stuff or were you involved with other ministry stuff? Uh, mostly music, but there were other things like there was a small group like Bible study thing. That was one thing that I remember because my brother and I were attending it together. Um, and this is just a funny story for you because I wore a ring on my left ring finger at that time, of course, because it was a promise ring to myself that I would not have premarital sex because that is so important. Um, but anyway, I wore that ring on that finger. It's funny that I'm married now and don't wear a ring because I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I wore it too much as a child. Um, but my brother and I, anyway, had the same last name and I was wearing a ring on that finger and it was like a months into going to this small group that some, I heard someone say to my brother, she's your sister. I thought you were married. Like, <laughs> yes, we're children. We are 
children. I was like 19, he was 21. And like, shockingly, the 19 year old and the 21 year old who look a lot alike too. Um, they're actually not a couple, actually. actually just, yeah, you do look a lot alike, so. I feel like my first assumption would not be marriage, would be siblings anyways, especially at that age. Yeah, but that, that could have also been an indicator there since that was a few months before then they were like, well, don't talk to him anymore. Um, I wonder how many people were still talking to their siblings, you know? So it's like, it's more likely that you're just a young, young bride than that you socialize with. We're like brother. pulled into yeah. it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was the, probably the other thing we did Bible study and just a lot of hanging out with church people, babysitting their kids and you know, Oh, Oh, I almost forgot. No, this is significant. I went on this crazy camping trip one summer. It was called, uh, they actually called it a pilgrimage. Um, yeah, we uh, saw that in the researching it, and I was, I put it on the list to ask yeah, you. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad because you know the fact that I just said like, oh wow, you're I think that I almost blocked that one from my mind because that was just such a wild experience where um, we were like it's a canoe camping trip, and you're like carrying a canoe one one person carrying a canoe on your back. The other one is carrying the backpack. Sometimes if like you really need to, you have to carry both the backpack and the canoe at the same time. Um, oh, there was so much about that. That was so stressful. Our trip ended up getting canceled, like called a few days early because we weren't listening enough. Um, oh, wow. We were, and I, and this is, a, I'm like, wow, I should probably have unpacked this one in like therapy, but um, we got feedback at the end and they were always so big on like negative feedback too you know like some positives but also like here's some stuff that you really got to work on but i was singled out as someone who was like the best at this pilgrimage at like following the instructions and i'm like that is not a badge of honor honey that is like yeah. that is good morning um yeah, maybe that's probably why I'm so uh, I get so hypersensitive about any sort of feedback now is that I'm like, oh, yeah, they just like to rip you a new hole to cry out of every time you do anything. It's like um, you, the, that level of like being being seen and like all of your flaws being seen is just um, it makes you feel so Oh, like, wow, am I safe here? I mean, no, obviously not, but um, just everything can be. Yeah, and then when you're getting the praise, you're like, yes. Yeah, yeah, because I, I did a good job, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so sad. I mean, it's so sad for me to think about people who, who, stayed and, and continued to get that kind of treatment and especially you know if you stayed and then you got married and had a bunch of kids uh it, it's that much harder to leave you know um and that's that's what you do you get married to someone in the church and then you have a lot of children what would determine who would have to carry a backpack and who would have to carry a canoe there the leaders had their like had that all figured out that was the kind of stuff we didn't get to know 
Um, but basically, sometimes it would be, sometimes it would be a gender split. Sometimes it would be like, um, I, that's the main thing I remember, but it might also be like, okay, some of you are really not listening well. So now you are going to have to do like twice as much. You have to carry both things. And then there would be stuff like, there's always two of us in the canoe and they would like give us, one of us had the map and we couldn't show it to the other one. I remember that having the map at one time and my partner's like, where do we go? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this way, you know, oh my, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's not like, doesn't it sound like I'm telling you a story? Like this is what happened to me back in the 1950s, you know, but like this was 2004, five. Um, so it's stuff where I'm like, why would, I mean, thankfully I'm a good map reader, you know, we didn't end up meeting some bears and moose someplace where we wouldn't want to. Um, but it's just like the, all this, like this expectation that everyone has the same skills. Everyone can carry a canoe and a, a backpack at the same time and read a map and paddle as fast as they can and, and, and do all of these things. Never question, you know, never, never ask the, the canoe too. Like a lot of us, especially the girls, like had a hard time holding it properly. So it's like resting here, but then the top is hitting my head and I ended up with like, a, I mean, not a bald spot, but like all the hair right here broke off. Oh, um, and then like my scalp was just, oh, everything was so, I, one of my roommates, um, not a roommate that, you know, but a roommate from the church was with me and like had just a open raw spot on her neck that when we got oh, back, gosh. Her, like, putting ointment on it for her, like the abuse that we put ourselves through there. So I'm like, okay, so maybe there was some physical, some physical stuff that had to be worked through. But, um, you know, it was just like. It, it felt, yeah, it, it felt like we were being broken down. And then there was weird stuff with that where like one person had a breakdown. It was like, I, I can't do it. I can't carry the this canoe. My partner carried it for her and I like tried to console her. Do you think we got in trouble for that? Or do you think yes. we were for that? Yeah, it was like big trouble. It was like to my partner, it was like, why did you do that? And then to me, it was like, why did you just go along with it? And I'm like, what was I supposed to do? Uh, right? wow. Crying girl, I was supposed to be like, no, you get back in the water and do it yourself. I'm not going to help you. These like these aren't even Christian values. You know, I'm like, this is just like. That makes no sense. I, drill instructor kind of stuff, not like uh, ministry leader. Like what happened? Yeah, that's to actually what I was thinking about. Like when you were saying that about like when I was in boot camp, I'm like, this is what that sounds like. Yeah. And like, isn't helping people like what Jesus taught? Like. Yes, but don't no blind obedience. That's I mean that's that's the thing that's so just so totally bizarre there. I'm like, based on what. Uh, yeah, what what you know about like the the person that Jesus was, uh, would would that person value just blindly submitting to anyone who has authority over you? Of course not. He'd be flipping tables and stuff. Like it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's scary to me that like something that 
district probably started with great intentions. You know, like, I mean, I think, how could it not? I'm sure they were, it was just a bunch of people who were like, yeah, we all love the same Jesus. So let's, you know, let's start our own church. Let's not go join another one. Let's start our own one. But then it's easy to lose sight of what really matters to you, what your beliefs really are. And you get a little bit of power. That's what they say, isn't it? Like, uh, if you want to find out if someone has any asshole in them, like give them some power and see what happens. Uh, I mean, it only takes one charismatic, corrupt person to ruin a giant thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then when one person's doing, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah, this is how we treat people. Mm -hmm. This is our culture. I mean, especially when you are impressionable, young, especially when you're young. Yeah. They don't say young and dumb for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come back next week for part two of Casey's story. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We have a list of resources and hotlines for some of the topics we will touch upon in our podcast. If you have any you would like to share with us, ones that you have used yourself or even ones that you just have knowledge of, let us know so we can get it added to our blog post on finallyoutwithfriends.com. We are also looking for submissions for pets or people, which can be made anonymously. We'd like just a little story of an animal or a person who made your day in some way. You can also submit that on our website under the link pets or people. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review our show on your preferred listening platform to get that podcast out to more people. But as always, no pressure. Here at Finally Out with Friends, we see you, we celebrate with you, and we love you. Take care of yourself, drink your water, and take your meds.